Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 194 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, I have with me a special guest. Her name is Naomi Norton. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's been in practice for eight years. She has a passion for working with marginalized communities and people with religious trauma. And she's currently in the final stages of completing her PhD in family therapy at North Central University. Her dissertation research focuses on how the evangelical Christian community views mental health, which I think is so fascinating. So welcome, Naomi. Thank you for being here on this podcast episode. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be able to have this conversation with you. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, before we tell everyone what we're going to talk about, um, tell us just a little bit about yourself. What is your background? I mean, I want to know what your background is. Why did you want to be a therapist? We need good therapists, right? And what are you hoping to accomplish with your dissertation? <laughs> Those are big questions. Okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, okay, I'm short amount of time. Um, so I grew up in a very independent, fundamental Baptist home. And there's, I don't know, like growing up, like I don't want to say anything negative. Like I had a really good childhood. And also as I got older, I started to realize a lot of these different ideologies um, and how they were affecting me. Uh, more so when I graduated and I went to college, then I started experiencing a lot of the patriarchy and purity culture. And it got to the point to where I ended up really losing who I was. And not just within my family, but also within the Christian culture that I was surrounded by at college, because they were just telling me it's just your job to submit and to pray that's God's will for you. And then it didn't, I didn't have peace in my spirit. And so I just, and I got a lot of spiritual abuse and psychological abuse at that time. And so I did lose who I was. um, And it took a long time for me to sort of claw my way out of that. And so it was probably about in my twenties when I really started to wrestle with um, my faith and really make it my own. Um, And so then I, at that point, I also realized how much families impact people and impact us. And so that started me on that journey of family therapy And so then I got my degree. And then as I kept going, I remember all throughout my childhood and even currently how mental health within the Christian circles tends to be dismissed or been seen as you're not doing enough, you're not praying enough, or there's some sort of demonic influence. And so that really got me curious and how can we help bridge this gap? And so that's what sort of led me into my dissertation of really trying to figure out these cultural ideologies and how are we making meaning of mental illness? So long story short. I love, no, that was very concise. That's great. I think your dissertation is so needed. I'm excited to read it when it's done. Oh, me too. I'm just I'm like, <laughs> to the point, like to get it done and then I can look back and yes. see what I wrote. Yeah. Who was it? Someone said, I don't like being, I don't like writing. I like having written. Yes. <laughs> Can't remember who said that. Some great writer. Well, anyway. Okay. So here's how I found Naomi. I actually don't remember, but I, I found her on Facebook going through a a Facebook rabbit trail. You know how those are. And I found her post on fear. And I just want to read just a couple of little highlights from this post, just to get everyone in the framework of where I'm coming from is why I invited you on to this 
episode. So she the title of her post was the power of fear and white fundamental evangelicalism. And she said this fear is a powerful and influential emotion, especially when harnessed by other people. Within my experiences and coding, there is a notable theme of fear. And as you just heard, she has a kind of a fundamentalist Christian background. Fear is a normal human emotion and isn't seclusive to the white. Did you mean exclusive or did I just isn't seclusive to the white fundamental evangelical? I'm probably showing my ignorance there. White fundamental evangelical culture. (laughs) Yet it is a powerful dynamic within the white fundamental evangelical community. Okay, then she wrote about some themes and she kind of listed all of these themes of fear within the community, the Christian community that she has observed. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to read all the things she wrote about each little item, but I want to just highlight what the items are. And then I will include a link to this particular post of hers so you can read the whole thing. And also, I, if you're interested, you can look at her page. And if some of the things she's writing about resonate with you or interest you, you can certainly feel free to follow her. OK, so one of the, so here's some themes of fear she found using fear for salvation. Like, remember, I mean, I remember being a kid and I, I was told, pray this prayer and you will go to heaven. Don't pray the prayer and you will go to hell. And so of course I raised my hand to pray the prayer. <laughs> that was my... to go to hell. I mean, exactly. worms gnashing a teeth. Exactly. It was like a total no brainer, right? Oh. Um, two fear of the unknown three fear of change or the evolution of the faith. So like fear of your faith kind of changing or evolving or whatever fear of finding out parts of your beliefs might've been wrong. Fear of being vulnerable or authentic with, with the religious community because due to being misunderstood, judged, or which the women in, in, um, that are listening have a lot of them have experienced this. Mm -hmm. They've been afraid to step forward and say, Hey, I think there's something wrong in my marriage because they know instinctively that if they do that, they're going to be told, why are you airing dirty laundry? Are you, are you, is this being respectful to your husband by Mm -hmm. telling us what your husband's doing? Um, Surely you're misunderstanding. You must not be submitting. You must not be being a good wife. Otherwise he wouldn't do that. That kind of thing. Um, so again, and then number six, fear to reach out for help and connection, because you're just going to get back the simple Christian response, like count it all joy when you face trials and suffer for Jesus and die to yourself and, um, fear of being contaminated by others, like being afraid to read books that your maybe your church says that's a heretical book. Don't ever read that author or don't ever read that book. Um, although I have to say any of you listeners who have read my book, you you've already dipped into the heretical waters. So, you know, you had to overcome some fear <laughs> to do that. Right. Fear of the end times, fear of other people who are different from you, fear of losing power or influence, fear of persecution or hardships, fear about, uh, well, anyways, those kinds of things. I, so I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, um, we're going to actually have a conversation about fear in general right now. Okay. But this is what, that's the post that inspired me to invite Naomi on here. So why don't you tell us, Naomi, what is the function of fear as you would describe it? Yeah. So as the therapist side of me, like it it took me a while to realize that emotions actually have a purpose, 
like, cause I was raised a lot, like emotions is just weakness. It's just something that leads you astray. So you, you sort of dissociate from them. Yeah. And so then it wasn't until I was in school that they taught me like every emotion has a function and a reason. And so with fear, a lot of it is to let us know that there's something that feels unsafe. And it took a lot also for me to recognize that there's even a physiological response. Like we have an amygdala in all of our brains that is always assessing for safety. And so that is a core part of us as being humans and how we were created to really look at what is safety if we're feeling unsafe to really tune in to see what is going on. Because yes, some things it can be a little wonky and it may we may still be safe but feel unsafe than other times we could really be in unsafe situations, but we won't know if we're not paying attention to what, to this fear that we have or that's coming up. Yeah. So what are some ways that we can recognize fear then? Well, I think a lot of it, like generally it tends to have show up in our body first. And so we really have to tune into our bodies. So a lot of common things is when we're noticing our heart rate increase, our breathing going faster. If sometimes we get like this butterfly feeling in our stomach, like that tends to let us know. Um, And a lot of times, sometimes we'll get like our muscles will tremble. Like I I try to tell people like it feels weird to describe. It's almost like you're shaking from the inside out. Like you're, you're not cold but your muscles are sort of responding. And so it's like, those are sort of those signs of like, okay, something isn't right. And like, the more you start tuning into your body, the more you can start be aware of like, oh, I'm sensing that this is a presence of fear. And so your body doesn't have to get to like a lot of like really showing you that it's really scared that you can start tuning into those smaller signs that something's wrong. Yeah. So let's say that starts to happen. What do you recommend for people to do when they start noticing and then they actually make the connection and go, I think this is, I'm feeling fear in my body. Then what? Well, I think like there is definitely a spectrum because first being able to assess your situation, because many times when we're having a response, it's not sort of that time to sit down and process. So it's almost that time to sort of regulate, do some of those grounding. Because if our brains get too overwhelmed, if we feel too scared, or if we're not really tuned into emotions a lot, we can almost get zapped if we start paying attention. And so it's like, we really have to focus on calming our bodies and brains down so we can still stay connected. And so really paying attention um, to like textures, colors, sounds around us. So it can help calm us down. But then also when we are in a safe place to be able to recognize and process like, okay, so what happened? Because our brains are so crazy. Like they're so amazing that we can take in so much unconscious data that our body and brain is processing. And we're only aware of just like one or 2% of it. Yeah. So it's like, we could be responding to like a sight, a sound or someone's tone or something that's going on. So it takes time to process through to figure out okay, what was it? Did I feel this way in a different situation? What came up for me Um, to really sort of start to tune in to sort of connect those dots? Yeah. And it's so important that we also don't just dismiss them. That's like when we're safe and calm to go back and sort of process through what what was coming up and why was this coming up for me? And some of it could be past trauma because many times our body is not just responding to the current moment, but also to past experiences that was also like, Ooh, this feels unsafe because of all these other past times. Yeah. And so also being aware of processing, did I feel this way in, in the past? And there's yes. something connecting to this. Yeah. Okay. So in the Christian world, and I grew up in the in the swimming in that soup. 
And I remember, I, I mean, it was ingrained in me that if you, that it was silly. Like mm-hmm. if I was afraid of something that I would, that somehow I was weak or that I was making something up in my head or whatever, how, how do you, how does, how have you noticed the Christian community actually um, talking about fear or relating to the emotion of fear? Well, and I see it. I mean, it's so complex, but I see some of it is really dismissed, especially for us women. Cause I feel yeah. like it's seen as, oh, well, you're just emotional. You're just PMSing. You're just being, making a big deal out of nothing. And so yeah. it almost teaches us just to, that our concerns don't matter and that we almost need to be silent because other people in leadership, all the men, all the elders, all the pastors, they're looking out for us. So we need to trust their, what they say. And so it's almost like we have to second guess ourselves. But I also think there's like that ingrained, like I have to be scared of God because if I'm not following the straight and narrow, if I'm not listening to leadership, if I'm not listening to, to my husband or to my father or whoever, that then we're not going to be in God's will. And then we're going to face punishment from God. And so it sort of creates this very complex dynamic of how do we tune into our to fear to help us be safe, but then also we're tying in almost like our eternal safety to it as well. Yeah. Especially within this community, which makes it so hard because it's like we're we're making a decision or trying to figure out safety in right now, but also for eternity. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's so hard. It is. The the whole fear of God thing too is it's so there is so much cognitive dissonance around that because God is like, God loves you and he's for you. And he rejoices over you with singing. And also be careful because like Jonathan Edwards, because you're a spider and he's dangling you over an open barbecue pit. And Mm -hmm. if you make one wrong move, he's just going to drop you and be happy to watch you burn. Um, Like which God, you know, which, which God is it? Mm -hmm. And then I think too, that really is one of the biggest things I think that of the women that I'm talking to, so many of them will ask questions and what's underneath that question is I'm afraid of what God will do. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid if I try to get help, I'm afraid of what will happen. What what will God do? I'm afraid if I separate from my husband, what will God do? Will my kids go to hell? Will I go to hell? Will I never have enough money to eat, eat again? Will I, you know, Mm -hmm. like they think that God's going to not bless them you know, it, which go, comes back to the whole, you know, God blesses you if you do A, B, and C, and he's not going to bless you. He's going to punish you if you don't. Like, can you talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit too? Oh, I don't I was like, that's like a huge topic. I know. I know. But it's, well, it, it's huge in the, in the, with these women, well, it is a big thing. I think for me, like there's that space of First, me giving myself permission to almost trust myself to even explore these topics. Yeah. Because I think I was taught so much to silence myself and I can't trust my reading or my interpretation or I can't trust the Holy Spirit's prompting that I have to tune into leadership. And so even like thinking of those topics of what do I really believe about what's going to happen to me if I deviate from leadership, like it's going to take so much of my own work and repair and really believing 
Cause like I grew up so much of thinking like, I, even though I have the Holy spirit, I can't trust him and I can't right. trust my voice. And so getting to that space of my voice matters and I do have the Holy spirit and God speaks to me. I can speak to God and read his Bible and really connect. Like I don't have to go through all these other people to be yeah. able to do that. And so, I mean, it takes a long time to be able to sort of separate out from that. Yeah. Be able then to wade into some of these waters of, well, what do I believe? Cause some of what you're also talking about is a lot of these different doctrines and theologies when it comes to like the atonement theories and really figuring out like, is God really going to punish? Like did, was Jesus sent in order to die like for punishment or is it more out of love and care? And um, being the victor, like there's all these different types. So it's like, it can get really into some deep stuff when you really start exploring. And I yeah. think one of those first steps is really starting to hold space for our own voices and space. Like, I, I think there's a lot of fear, but what if I am wrong and stepping yeah. into that fear of that uncertainty? Cause we've been raised in, so, I mean, most of us, I think that's fair to say that we're raised in certainty that this is absolute truth. And then we're having this dissonance of, well, my experience isn't like I'm experiencing so much fear and so much shame and so much guilt and, and a lot of trauma. And is this really what God wants for me as a woman? Right. And, and it's like, I mean, that was one of my struggles I had to wrestle through of just like, is this really, if I fully believe that I'm creating God's image, and that he created me for a reason and a purpose. And I have the image of God and I have the Holy Spirit in me. What does that mean about me? And how can I have a voice and autonomy, but also live in a community yes. and even have relationships as well? So it's. Yeah, I, I, I would say that, that answered your question. Yeah, no, I would say that um, like modern Christianity is very fear based a lot of religion is fear-based mm -hmm. and I think Jesus meant to come and introduce something completely different. I mean, the Bible says love casts out fear. So if we're really leaning into love, for example, if you're going to jump in, if you're going to jump into the arm, you know, jump into the arms of your dad, he's in the water and he promises to catch you. Do you believe he's going to catch you? Or not? Do, is mm -hmm. he, is he trustworthy or not? Does he love you or not? And if you grow up in a home where you're not really sure, or you grow up in a church where you're not really sure where you stand, then you're going to think that God's the same way. You're going to project mm -hmm. all of your experiences with humans who do use fear a lot to control and manipulate people with God. You're going to think that God's the same way. Oh yeah. God's going to use fear to control and manipulate me too. And that's not what Jesus came to mm -hmm. show us about who God was. So part of, I think part of healing in the spiritual aspect is just is getting is saying, okay, does this make me feel afraid? Probably mm -hmm. it's not from Christ. Then it's probably mm -hmm. not aligned with the Holy spirit. If there's a bunch of fear around it, surrounding it, like even the thought, um, the heart is deceitful above all else. And who can know it? Why don't you talk? I mean, cause that's what people will throw in your face all the time. Well, you don't know cause your heart's deceitful and who can know it. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's interesting, like, even as you're talking, like I hear, I call it my ISB voice, my independent fundamental Baptist voice that comes in, because yeah, yes. it's like, I was so in that. And, and I had that, like, I have to be perfect in order to be okay. And so I'm like, I, I have all these verses memorized and all this. So even as you're talking, I'm just like my <laughs> that ISB voice going on in my brain. Is this content resonating with you? 
I've written a book for women of faith in destructive relationships called, Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, A Christian Woman's Guide to Hidden Emotional and Spiritual Abuse. You can read reviews and find out more about my book on Amazon.com. It comes in paperback, Kindle, and Audible formats. I've also created a companion workbook for Is It Me? also available on Amazon. This workbook is like 11 power-packed therapy sessions to help you process through the important material you'll be learning from my book. These books are recommended by counselors and therapists all over the United States. I've also got a website specifically focused on helping women of faith find hope and healing. It's called flyingfreenow.com. I'll even give you the first chapter of my book and the first chapter of the companion workbook for free when you hop on my mailing list at the top of my website. Those two resources are going to help you figure out if your relationship is normal or destructive. And now let's get back to our episode. Well, and and I think that is like one of those scary things because as a Christian, like, especially what I believe, like the Bible is like very core and central. That's how we get to know who God is in his heart. And then when you have other people using scripture in a separate way, where you end up distrusting yourself and your interpretation, and it's almost very coercive because it's like, we can pick any Bible verse to make it fit our agenda. And so it's all like, even as you're hearing, well, the heart is deceitful. I'm like, well, yes. And no, like how you're talking about it, it makes sense how you're using it, but also being able to step back. And I mean, even for me, as you were talking, I noticed like when that verse came up, my stomach got twisted, Yes, like my brain started thinking, my heart rate started going. So I automatically had this response when I was hearing that Bible verse that has been used, especially yeah. against me in certain ways. And so being able to sit down and recognize like, okay, yes, there is a component. I mean, it's almost like having a both and approach instead of an either or that's like, yes, there, there is sin and there, and there is part of me that, yeah, I mean, it's part of the sin nature and I'm learning to be conformed into God's image. And then there is also a part of me that really longs to know God and to have a healthy relationship. Right. And just because my what I believe or hold may not align with what other people in leadership is saying doesn't necessarily mean that my heart is deceitful. It doesn't mean that I am wrong, that there is this both and component. And, and I think for me, it's also really important as we do this work of being in a community and really finding other people that are also wrestling with this work. So we can tune into them to be like, okay, so this is what was shared. And I mean, someone said that my heart is deceitful and desperately working. So what, this is what I'm struggling with. So they can also sort of help process through it. And especially people that we know really care for us and have our best interest at heart, not just trying to get a certain response, which can be really hard within this community to find. Like, especially as you're starting to wrestle with faith, because the whole faith, I mean, it's so interesting because the whole faith community has their own cultural fears and then we have our own individual fears and Mm -hmm. so we're sort of like combating like multiple levels of fear Mm -hmm. but sort of being able to connect with certain people to say okay like which is what I love what you're doing with your own community and helping women within this work because they're able to connect with other people and bounce ideas off of and really hold their fear and their pain and also their hopes and desires say I really do want to follow God and I don't know what to do with this And so then you can have a community come alongside and hold that as they process and find their voice. Yeah. 
I think, um, I mean, the Bible also says we have the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of, how I've reconciled that verse for me is that the, first of all, if someone says that to you, it quotes that verse to you, the verse applies to them too. Mm -hmm. So how do you know that, you know, how, how do you know that your heart isn't deceiving you right now by saying that to me? I mean, it goes both, you know, it cuts yeah. both ways. It's kind of ridiculous, but I think the ways that our heart is deceitful is, is in that our pro the, what the things we've been programmed with our whole life mm -hmm. are, they are, some of them are lies. Some of them aren't mm -hmm. true. They're deceiving us. Like the idea that if you grew up in an abusive environment, you're going to associate abuse with love. You're going to mm -hmm. think that's normal. That's a way that you've been deceived. Now we need, to, we can unravel that lie and speak the truth. Mm -hmm. So honestly, it's so twisted because I think the people who are quoting that verse and trying to get you to do what they want you to do, mm -hmm. they're actually what, what you want to do is you want to flip that around and go, actually, I have the mind of Christ and I'm going to lean into his wisdom mm -hmm. about what you are doing to me right now. Because if I buy into what you are doing to me right now, that is an example of how I would be being deceived. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love, oh, I can't wait to use this stuff on people when they say stuff like that to me. All right. Okay. Let's, um, let's see. Here's another question. What are some ways that we can protect or integrate fear. It's cause it's a healthy emotion. We need to be able to have that emotion at times. It's like, uh, it's like the feeling of pain. If you don't have pain, then you're going to, you know, burn yourself or get permanently mm -hmm. injured. Um, so how can we integrate that into a healthier and more informed approach? Yeah. So with this, I think it's part of like that processing after. So when you're safe, being able to process through and recognize, okay, so what caused this fear? What was going on for me? So then we can set boundaries and know, because I'm trying to give like a decent example. Um, like if I am really, like I recognized for myself that I have a hard time interacting with Christian men in leadership. Yeah. Like I'm automatically scared. I'm automatically like yes. even thinking of going into a meeting like that. Like I just like, I, I just know that's one of my fears because I've been trained to yeah. be that way and have had some negative experiences. And so when I know that's going to happen, then I can start setting boundaries. I can start preparing like, okay, I'm going to regulate. I'm breathing. This is what I would like to say. If I need to bring someone in to help me. So I know someone's in my corner, then yeah. I can do that as well. Or I can make sure it's in a safe space where I'm like, okay, if we go to a church and meet with a path, that's going to be really hard because it feels like a sense of authority. Yeah. So we're going to meet outside or do something else. So, it's, so we're able to create space where the fear isn't controlling, but it's also not really being manipulated and used by others, but I can still set a lot of those structures. And sometimes there is space where if the fear is really big and there's a big concern, then we need to set rigid boundaries and say, no, like I right. can't keep going towards that. Like, I think there's almost that dynamic within the, the church that we always have to keep going towards things yes. that are hurting us. There is. And what so is it's like, that? Right. And then it's, and it's almost like that prosperity gospel thing of just like, you're in God's will if things are working out. So it's like, yeah. if you're having bad relationships, you're out of God's will. So then we have to do the Matthew thing and keep going and making it work. So we're in alignment. And it's like, no, there's still like, there's a systemic dysfunction of sin in the church as well, that it's not protected from that. There's still humans 
And if we're getting hurt, sometimes we need to set boundaries and say, you know what, this is not a healthy relationship. I'm getting hurt. There's a lot of fear in this. So I just need to set a boundary and say no. And I think many times it's even us wrestling with that and being okay, because we're taught not to have cut off relationships. Exactly. Be able to say, okay, this is healthy for me. And even having that paradigm of, I don't believe God wants people to be abused. Like yeah. if we're in an abusive relationship and a harmful relationship that there's other things going on there. And so being able to yeah. take a step back and value ourselves and who we are being created in God's image and just being human, we have value Yeah, and should be true with dignity and respect. And so creating that space. So the more we're aware of these different fears, the more we can process different ways of setting boundaries and setting up protective factors. Um, and even potentially needing to have to cut off certain dynamics just so we can achieve health. Cause for yeah. some people, they're so hurt that they're not able to go to church for a while yeah. and that's okay. Like they're able to process through that. And then as they process and heal, then they can move towards it and do different interactions. But if we keep going towards things where we're getting a fear response, it's just going to end up hurting us more. Right. And I think the fear there is in, in many cases is something we could just listen to and just mm -hmm. say, this maybe isn't a safe place. I remember the last time that I, and I hear this a lot. Women will say, well, my church is asking me to like, if the, if the women's woman stands up and says, I don't, I think there's something wrong and I'm not going to stay in this situation. Then the, it seems like the church elders always want her to come in. We need mm -hmm. to come in and have a meeting. Like what they're really saying is we need to get you in here and get you in a corner so that we can, you know, bash you over the head with a few Bible verses and get you back in back in line. Mm -hmm. and that's really what they want to do. I've been in those. I'm sure mm -hmm. you've been in those too. So they'll yeah. be like, I, I feel like I should go. And what, in, what should I expect? And what should I do? And, but the last meeting that I went to, I would always go to, but the last meeting that I went to, um, I brought my sister with me, like you mentioned, you know, mm -hmm. bring someone who's kind of in your court. <clears throat> I brought my sister with me and it was five minutes into it. And the elder leans forward and says to me, you don't know God. Oof. He says that to me. <clears throat> and I felt like I was, I had this visceral reaction because I was making all these decisions based on what I truly believed God, the Holy spirit mm -hmm. was telling me to do. And then to have this person who, um, tell me this, I, who was in a position of power. And so, but I, I, I was shaking, I was shaking. My voice was shaking. My hands were shaking, but I had enough left of my brain. Cause you know how your brain just goes offline. And yes. you just about anything. I had enough left in my, Oh, I remember thinking this. I think I just heard the voice of Satan and not God. I remember thinking mm -hmm. that. And then not that he was Satan, but that Satan was like mm -hmm. the enemy was speaking through him. And then I had enough uh, of my brain left to say, I would like to record the rest of this meeting. I can stay and hear you out, but I want to record it on my phone. And the elder and the woman who was with him, um, cause yes, sometimes women get in cahoots with these guys. They were like, no, you can't record this meeting. And I said, if I said, why is there something mm -hmm. that you guys are going to say to me that you don't want to get out there that you don't want anyone to know? Like, why can't I record it? And they mm -hmm. wouldn't give me an answer. And so I said, and so I said, if I can't record the meeting, then I can't stay. I need mm -hmm. to leave. And that was the first time that I'd ever realized, even as I was saying it, I realized 
I can literally walk away. I am free. Mm -hmm. These people have no power over me. They think they do. They are Mm -hmm. sitting there thinking that, that they can control me and have power over me. And they can't, Mm -hmm. I'm an adult. I can get up and leave. And I did, they said, Nope, you can't record it. And I said, well, then I've got to go. And I picked up my Mm -hmm. stuff and we walked, my sister and I were both shaking in the car. We went to a um, restaurant and we started writing everything down because we knew that we wouldn't be able Mm -hmm. to remember everything if we didn't write it all down the whole conversation. And um, to this day, I don't remember it. I do. I have those notes. In fact, I think I might've even stuck it in a blog post somewhere, but it was so traumatic, but I just want to bring that up because um, if you're listening, just know you are an adult. You don't have to, these guys, this is how I've framed it. It's like, these guys are all six-year-old boys in a sandbox and they think their sandbox is the world. Mm-hmm. It's just a sandbox. The playground is big. You can go bike riding in the playground. You can go swing in the playground. You can go, you can do so many things in the playground. You don't, that church mm-hmm. is just one sandbox in a gargantuan playground. Like go find some other kids to play with. They're not very nice. They're throwing sand at you. You don't have to stay. Absolutely. Well, and as you were talking, it really made me think of just along my journey of of almost getting to this place where I realized that my salvation isn't dependent upon other people. Yeah. That's like, I kept feeling like, Oh, all these people are saying I'm going to hell. All these people are saying I'm an apostate. All these people are like, I have to follow what they say, but finally getting to that point of no, like my faith is built is, is from Jesus. Like I believe in Jesus. Like that's yeah. all about it. Like, yeah. And, and how freeing that was to be able to separate from those power dynamics and from some of those voices that were being used to control, manipulate me to say, okay, like I, I can trust Jesus. I can trust the Holy spirit. I have the skills to be able to navigate these dynamics and how powerful it is to be able to say, no, I mean, you can say whatever you want to say, but no, like you don't get to say that. I mean, you can say I'm going to hell, but it's not up to you. Yeah. Right. Well, I, how I ended up ultimately healing from that and reframing it is that I realized that that elder was actually correct. Mm -hmm. I did not know his God, his Mm -hmm. God was scary and small G his God is like, you know, Zeus or something. Mm -hmm. And I realized that is not the God that I know in the core of my being that I have grown Mm -hmm. up with, that I have an intimate relationship with. It's not that God. The God I know loves me so much. He's the God that led me out of that Egypt of sorts and sent me walking through a world, a wilderness, but Mm -hmm. my life is so much better now. And, um, yeah, I'm happy. I don't know his God. I feel bad for him and all of the people in his life who do still know that God. Well, and also how excruciating it is to get to that place. Yeah. Cause I think, I mean, even with along my own journey that it, it, I'm almost like there's parts of me that's like, oh, well, just believe this and you're, you'll be fine. But it's also like that journey of separating from what you've been raised at in or, or been taught for so long of being able to deviate from that and find who Jesus is, it is very scary and it's very hard and it's very painful. And there's also beauty yeah. and there's also freedom and there's also complete love and acceptance and community on that other side. There is, there is. And when you are free and you know that you're safe, Mm -hmm. when you know that you're loved and you know that you're safe and you know that you're free, 
the sky's the limit as yeah. to what you can see, what you can create and accomplish in your life mm -hmm. internally and even externally, because that ends up spilling, you know, bleeding out into the people and the lives around you. You end up having influence in um, amazing ways because you end up, you're able to be more aligned, I think, with Jesus Christ mm -hmm. who came to bring those things. And the world is thirsting for that. Mm -hmm. They're thirsting for that. So, but it has to start with us internally. We have to stop being afraid. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being willing to have this conversation with me. And I will put the links to your social media accounts. And so people can find where out where to follow you. And um, she writes a lot because as she's working on this dissertation, I think you're processing some of the things mm -hmm. that you're, when you say chapters, are those the chapters that you're writing? Yes. Yes. So my dissertation has five chapters. So I'm at the very end of it. And so okay. it's part of my, I'm a very auditory and verbal processor and just getting it out there. So as I'm doing my writing for my dissertation. I'm also putting little tidbits out there. Just like, hey, this sort of popped up in my brain. I'm gonna leave it here and then keep yeah. on writing. I love it. It's it's like very, very rich on her Facebook page. Like lots of really, like lots of golden nuggets that your brain just wants to eat up. So <clears throat> I highly recommend that you go over there and, and check her out. All right, that's it. Thank you so much for um, being with us. And for all of you guys who are listening, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, fly free.